Welcome to Build an Iconic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Whitehead, and this podcast is dedicated to help you build a life with zero regrets by focusing on how you have everything you need to stand up, stand out, and live life on your terms. Let's dive right in. Well, 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 I know you've had a chance to listen to me. And I appreciate you doing so. If you haven't, go back to episode 0.1. Today, I'm bringing on my very first guest on our podcast. He's a very, very dear friend of mine. And he's someone that has standed the test of time, not only in business, but in life. And I'm excited to introduce him to you. Brian K. Wright. Hey, Brian. Thanks for joining us today. Chris, thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be your leadoff batter. Thank you. So before we get started, give the folks a little bit of your background, who you are, what you do, Mm. and then we're going to kind of dive into how some of that started. Great. Well, this is always an interesting opening question. Uh, I think if I went way back, uh, I learned... I learned what I love to do when I was a kid, but I didn't realize that I could make a living doing that. And that is writing. When I was in study hall back in grade school, if I finished my homework, I would write stories about TV shows that I loved. I loved watching reruns of Lost in Space back in the day. I loved watching underdog cartoons back in the day. And I would just write stories based on the characters and situations that I already knew those those shows were about. In fact, there were times where I would fidget in church so badly that mom would hand me a notepad. Now, most kids would doodle and scribble. I would write. So I was a little different right from the get-go. And in high school, I decided to try writing a time travel novel, but I wrote myself into a corner and didn't know how to resolve it, so I gave up on it. (laughs) (laughs) And then in college, English was my minor. Uh, Communication studies was my major, but I took a creative writing class. And one of the stories that I wrote was based on the hypothesis that what if someone stowed away on Noah's Ark? I thought it was an interesting question. Hmm. And we would workshop those ideas in class in a small group, and very few people liked it. There was one kid in the class that really liked it, but he was kind of weird. So I wasn't sure what to make of that. And I found out later that the professor was an atheist, and I didn't really know what to make of that either. So I thought, well, you know what? I wrote what was on my heart, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized at that time that creative writing fiction was probably not my sandbox. And so I realized that I loved nonfiction. So my first book was a student leadership book and it's called Student Leadership, uh, 21 Easy Ways to Become a Center of Influence in Your Group. And then I started writing shows, uh, not shows, but books based on uh, ideas from my radio show and, and incorporating some of the interviews that I've done on my radio show. And so it's been interesting because as my life has evolved, I wasn't really sure, like I mentioned before, that I could make a living doing the thing that I loved. And so I felt like I was stuck in the corporate world. I bounced around in a lot of call centers in my day and a lot of sales jobs, honing my craft, becoming decent at it above average, I might say but not really terribly fulfilled because I hated selling things that A, I didn't like, and B, I didn't believe in and would never buy myself. So I was just stuck in that quandary and it would never It was a job. It was a job. It was a job and that's all it was. 
And I mean, I made some friends, but I knew that my ultimate destiny wasn't that. I knew I wouldn't be there forever, but I began to wonder if that was really true or not. But I just kept rolling along and finally decided to start a radio show in January 2012, which I still run. It's called Success Profiles Radio. It's 10 and a half years old now. <laughs> and I wanted to interview the people I looked up to and learn from them. And hopefully I could use the knowledge I would gain from them to kickstart my life into a higher gear. And it took a while and you've known me for that long, uh, but it's it, it has begun. And I'm, I'm on a trajectory that I'm really enjoying in my life. I love my life. All right, and pause for just one second. Sure. You're my first guest on my podcast where the idea of even doing one came from me being on your radio show. Catch clues, everyone. Success leaves them. Mm -hmm. Brian, please keep going. Okay. So I... I'm very, very glad to be doing my radio show. It's my happy hour and I've gotten to interview some really, really amazing people. And I, like I mentioned earlier, I've been able to repurpose some of those interviews into books, success profiles, conversations with high achievers. There are two volumes. I want a third volume of that to come out maybe sometime next year. That's my goal. And I'm just fired up. I've spun that into a magazine. So I published success profiles magazine that started in December, 2017. And Kevin Harrington was my very first cover. And I have some bigger plans that I've talked to you privately about that I don't want to reel yet because it's not a thing yet, but it's going to be. And I'm really excited about where the future and the expansion of my brand is going. I think one of the most amazing things, and you and I have talked about this extensively, mm -hmm. but when you say that you've interviewed some influential people, <laughs> that's a tiny bit of an understatement. I've interviewed um, some of the most amazing people in the world. Um, as an example, I think you and I were just talking a couple weeks ago and I sent you an audio book that I wanted you to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not that you don't have like mastery skills in the book that I sent you. Mm -hmm. It was a nuance in the book that I wanted you to be able to hear. And you fired back immediately. Oh, I think he and I are friends on social media. We are. And I said, how cool is that? And then. I think it was, and you were like, I think I'll message him and maybe see if he wants to be on my radio show. He's a number one best-selling author on sales. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, y'all had some conversations and he's now going to show up on your show? Yes. In fact, a week from today, we are taping an episode. I, I want to, I want the audience to fully grasp this. Me, as an entrepreneur, and I'm a successful entrepreneur, I own multiple companies, I'm connected to people that are making money, influential, uh, you know, mind changers, life changers, mm -hmm. financial life changers. But I'm listening to an audiobook from a paid subscription service mm -hmm. that I belong to. I reach out to one of my friends and say, hey, check this out. And I'm literally connected to someone that's connected to the author of that book who is now going to be getting on an interview with that book. Brian, you have had such an amazing career in just since I've known you in about 12 years mm -hmm. and the people that you've talked to is part of this idea of what iconic is all about because 
sometimes we look at people, and I know you and I've had conversations about this. We look at people and because of the exterior success that they have, we think, oh, they must be like-minded. Mm-hmm. We found that not everybody is. We found out that just because they have success in one arena doesn't mean that they define that success in another like we do. Right. But you have truly been in a research development program of your own for 12 years, masterminding Mm -hmm. with some of the most brilliant and successful people on the planet. Yeah. In that time, if you can take like a 50,000 foot view of what that 12 years has done, can you sum that up in a, you know, just a, a, something we can all take away? Like what is that 12 years of interviewing these people really taught you? It has taught me that, well, first of all, they put on their pants the same way I do. They're not special. They just figured something out faster than I did. And that gives me a lot of hope. So let's talk about that part. Yeah. When when things, and it happens to every entrepreneur except the lottery winners, right. <laughs> um, there are dark times. There are times when we're not making money. There are times when you know, we're doing, we're hanging on by two fingernails, like no, no meat on the fingers actually keeping us on that ledge. Mm -hmm. What is it that you did during those times? It doesn't matter what those times are, but Mm -hmm. what is it that you did during those times that helped you continue to move forward until you found success? I think feeding my mind with positivity has been so important. I think gratitude is probably the coup de grace of all of that. If you are grateful for where you are, no matter what that station in your life is, you will be given more. How, but that's the question. How do you, and I I know the answer, but how do you keep gratitude when nothing around you is working out for you? There's always something to be grateful for. My faith is very important to me. So you know that, and it's important to you too. I'm very thankful for the close connections I have with my very best friends, of course, of which you are certainly one of. I'm grateful that I have a skill set that I can fall back on. Mm. And I'm thankful that I have the ability to pray for wisdom. And I do that a lot too. In fact, I mean, it's very biblical. If you read Proverbs, it says praying for wisdom is really the best thing you can do. It's more important than praying for riches. I mean, King Solomon prayed for wisdom and then he got the riches because he prayed for wisdom and how to get it. I think the other thing, if I were to sum it up, at least in something that I've really been focusing on, um, because what I have learned is as you produce more success, you also just produce newer and better problems, right? Yeah. Um, what What I've been focusing on, and I think this is the answer for gratitude, and if you want to expand upon it, please do. I'm truly focusing on acting my way into feelings instead of feeling my way into actions. Right, because you won't always feel like doing it. And if you only do things on the days that you feel like doing it, you will be waiting a very long time for something to pop for you. And have you noticed in your life when when those successes weren't coming, that maybe they got delayed because you did allow yourself to pull back and not keep pushing forward as hard as you did when you felt like it? I think so. And I think the important thing too, is when you're not reaping the result of your harvest, first of all, asking, have you been planting seeds? Because if you Mm. haven't, it would be silly to expect a harvest because it's not there. It's not available. 
So even when things don't feel like they are going well, if you continue to plant seeds, then those seeds will germinate into something amazing at some time. Things always happen at the right time, at God's appointed time, is a divine appointment. What do you think in all of your years of, of interviewing people, and we're going to move past this pretty soon, Sure. but what do you think was the most surprising thing that you have learned? Or maybe if there are a couple. I think the thing that I've learned is that I am stronger and more powerful than I ever thought I was. Sort of the Wizard of Oz kind of thing. D -d Develop that. Well, I've posted a meme every once in a while about the Oz head from the Wizard of Oz. I know. He always called himself the great and powerful. And my message is you are, are stronger and more powerful than you think you are. And the whole idea behind Oz was that Dorothy and all of her friends thought that Oz was supernatural and could do anything. He turned out to be a very ordinary man that knew how to sell a dream. <laughs> it's true. It is true. He knew how to sell a dream. And so we can all be Oz. If we use our powers for good, not for evil, we can do amazing, amazing things for the betterment of humanity. But realizing, and, and, and you've poured this, you've poured victory into my life for a long time. And you've always told me that I am just right. I'm just right. I'm right. I'm there. I'm just, I don't even see it yet. I'm on third base. And I don't even see it. I'm on the, the one yard line. I don't even see it yet. I'm mm -hmm. seeing it now. And when you actually believe that you are on the one yard line in the football field of life, you will do whatever you can to cross that goal line. If you think you're on your own one yard line and you have 99 yards to go, very few football teams will score from their own one yard line on that drive. Most of the time you end up having to punt. Dude, you just gave me goosebumps and made me get all, <clears throat> it's the truth, man. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things for me, the reason I'm such an encourager mm -hmm. of people, I had the least of that. Um, I was expected to perform. Mm -hmm. And so instead of gratitude being poured on me and encouragement, and that's not a hundred percent true. My, my parents in some ways did, especially mom, but I wanted it so bad mm -hmm. because I fed on it. And when I didn't get it, bro, I don't know how God put this in my head, but I was like, well, just start planting the seeds of that in other people. Mm -hmm. And what I learned was instead of me needing it anymore, I became more addicted to giving it to other people than needing it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, did I just learn a universal lesson about life? Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering for you, what kind of things have you run into like that where you realized, oh my gosh, I need to receive this. So instead of going and taking it, which is what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. You actually started giving it instead. Yeah. I think lately I have been uh, really focused on giving first as much as I can. I love giving connections. If I know two people who need each other, I introduce them. You've always done that too. Yeah. Yeah. I And yeah, you're right. I have always done that because sometimes there have been times in my life where that's all I've had to give. But it's valuable. And I've learned yeah. to value that. It's not about giving money. Giving time is important too, but you only have so much of that to go around. But it really does my heart good when I can connect two people who really need each other and then they do something magical with it. And I don't even expect a referral fee from it. I just know that I will be given something in return 
So here's a question. How do you measure whether or not those are good connections? Because I know a lot of people have connections and they keep them a little close to their vest because mm -hmm. they don't want it to get back and, you know, get on them negatively. What right. do you do? To, what do you do to make sure that you're matching up the right kind of people? I want to make sure that I, I believe that they will align with each other first. I've had people ask me to make connections to amazing people and I'm thinking, mm, I don't think so. Because if and it why not? badly, it reflects badly upon me ultimately. So what, 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 what is it that made you think some of those things? Like what are, I guess what we're getting to, um, at least I'm hinting at core values. Yeah. Core I think, values. I think you're judging based upon perceived core values, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And I think you're pretty freaking, by the way, not only because you called me one of your best friends, but <laughs> I think you're pretty amazing at being patient and allowing people to display their values. You're not very quick to jump in opportunistically with things is right. my experience of you. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think has made you that way besides your Taurus? Well, being a Taurus certainly does play. <laughs> and you joke with me about, oh, you're being such a Taurus right now. Well, it's who I am, so there. Um, I think maybe because I've been burned before, I tend to be maybe a little more cautious. And I tend to I, I tend to be an observer. If you if you ever watch Shark Tank, you know who's usually the last person to speak up? It's Mark Cuban. Yep. And I love that about him. People are always asking, Mark, what do you do? I'm just listening. And I do that with you. <laughs> yes, you do. And I've done that with a lot of other people. You ask me, what's your feedback? I'm like, I'm still listening. I'm trying to figure out what we're what we're doing here. But uh, it's all good. Uh, I, I think not jumping in right away does have its value. You know, people talk about, you know, taking action fast. Well, there's a difference between that and just jumping in foolishly without assessing first. I think there's a fine line. I mean, if you've been given an opportunity that you know is good for you and you have the wherewithal to do it, then by all means do it, especially if it aligns with who you are and what you're trying to do. But if you have a question about that, it's a good idea to step back and say, let me consider that for a minute or two or 10 or a couple of days or whatever. Well, the case I, is. I think it goes back to what you were saying when you're praying for wisdom, mm -hmm. you don't always know why you're not willing to pull the trigger, but don't forget you planted the seed by asking for wisdom and until wisdom shows up, you might just not take, make any move at all. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this privately too, but I think that extends very easily into trying to figure out what clients are you willing to work with? Mm. Because there are some people you shouldn't work with because maybe their core values don't align with you or maybe Boy, because they're looking for a faster solution than you can provide or a different solution that you can provide. That's probably more accurate. And I've told people, you know, I said, you know, with, with love and no judgment at all, I'm probably not your guy for that. But this person over here, I think is much better at what you're asking for. So let me connect you. Or that person has more of a bandwidth or that person really, really loves doing, I, I don't mind doing what you're asking me to do, but this person over here is really passionate about it. And they probably have more bandwidth for that. So I would like to introduce you. Is that okay? And they're and fine with that because now I've been, I've been honest with them. Well, and I think the other thing that unconsciously I've noticed you're putting into the universe when you do that is um, you believe in abundance. Yeah. And because you believe in that, it means you actually see what you believe in. I mean, I truly believe that we live in a world with some physical properties, like you step off a building, um, unless you're on a crazy drug, uh, you definitely do not believe you're going to fly. Right. 
But at the same time, there are universal principles at play that are unseen. And one of those is if you live in a world where you believe that there's only two of them there and it's presented to you, you might opportunistically just take it. Instead, if you live in a world where everywhere you go is opportunity, you're picking the best opportunity for you. Right. And you're willing to be patient for it. Yeah. If you really only think that there's only a piece of the pie available, well, first of all, you can make another pie. Mm. And Many why, why is the pie why why don't you think the pie is much, much bigger than you actually think it is to start with? You know, you have so much wisdom to share. And I think one of the things that if I didn't know you and I was listening to this and and some of the things that you're saying is understanding it's an understatement when I say that you've interviewed some of the top people in the world. Mm -hmm. I know that you've gone with a camera, a professional photographer, videographer. You've been on red carpets for movies that have come out. You've interviewed the stars of that. I mean, you've connected. If someone were looking, they realize they're creative, that they either write or they do video or they do interviews or whatever, but they're not, they're starting at ground zero. They don't have any connections. You didn't have any connections at one point like you do now. No. What would be the two, three, four, whatever, however many tips you have to really point that young person in the business down a road that would lead them to the most efficient success? I think you have to be willing to do the unglamorous things first. Because even if you look at the people in the spotlight, only maybe 5% of their entire life is spent doing the really glamorous stuff. The rest of it is spent doing the mundane stuff that they maybe don't want to do or no one thinks is fun. So you have to be willing to do the stuff that doesn't look like a lot of fun. But if you make a game out of it, it can be fun. Okay. Yeah. You have, any, you have anything else that you would share? I would be willing to say, start from a place of service. Start from a place of service, because if you're looking to get in with somebody, offer them something valuable first. And I've I've heard it said that if you want to get in with uh, an event planner, you know, or maybe someone who's well known, offer to volunteer at their event first and be really good and be really servant oriented. Because when you play above and beyond, you're going to get noticed eventually. Isn't that the truth? It is the truth. And then you'll be lifted up. And so there's a difference between lifting yourself up and talking about how great you think you are versus letting someone else prop you up first. I get tired of watching people prop themselves up like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I would much rather have someone else say as a third party, this person's brilliant. You should listen to this person. You know, and, and, I look at it a couple different ways, right? So mm -hmm. good examples would be Elvis Presley. Yeah. He just did what he did and he became the icon because mm -hmm. it was so unique. Mm -hmm. Then I see Muhammad Ali who talks about himself incessantly, but it wasn't for the reasons that everyone perceived that it was. He was getting into his opponent's heads. It right. Was a, he was in fights. He was like the fight begins well before the fight begins and he was a master at it. And Where at, the beginning, I run, at the beginning, he was talking himself into that. Correct. Yes. So I understand it. But I also think there comes a time when it's kind of Colin McGregor-ish mm -hmm. that, that 
Now you're just talking smack. And when you get your ass whooped, then you go to their bus and you start a fight there and then you get kicked out of the UFC. And it doesn't mean that that person can't spin that into a liquor company or whatever else that they've done. I wouldn't want to teach my children that. No, I wouldn't want to teach people in my community that because if 75 people went out and did that, I would feel like we have anarchy and chaos <laughs> in yeah. our lives. Mm -hmm. So I think that you're right. There's a, there's a nuance. And I know because we do have kids that are like young adults and really launching into life. Mm -hmm. These Instagram super people and social media, super people, like they're getting into their heads a little bit and telling them that like the lottery, you can be a crypto King overnight. And they're, they're young ma manipulative um, tactic, their manipulative tactics being used on young people that don't have any wisdom yet. Right. And they're, they're, they're vying for something that everybody wants. And that's where I think marketing is bad. It's where I think communication is bad. And it's where I think it leads to uh, ultimately lack of vulnerability and lack of vulnerability leads to lack of love. And, and so I think the whole world needs a big ass hug. Um, but my arms aren't big enough to do it. So I think we all need to link together. Right. And I think what that comes back to and what I'm so impressed over, dude, we've known each other for more than a decade. Yeah. Uh, friends, both successful business owners. Mm -hmm. But it was our core values that we didn't even know how to identify at the time when we met that has kept us together. And so I think talking on these subjects so that people align with other people that are like-minded leads to a more harmonious life, whatever level of success you have. And in fact, it might even change how you define success. Mm -hmm. My question for you is this. You have a book series out right now. And it's something you started, what, about a year and a half ago where you uh, started? The greatest, yeah, The Greatest Lessons. Uh, the first of those books came out in December. So I'm really excited. I want to share this with people because I know every so many people on earth want to write a book, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot don't. Yeah. And a lot don't because it reminds them of going to college and having to write that, you know, 30 page paper. And they're like, ah. Or they paint themselves in a corner, like you said. I, by the way, did that before I wrote my first book. Yeah. I think you've made it super simple for entrepreneurs to get their message out. So can you just take a moment and, and not only talk about what it is, but what experience you've had doing it and what you see it doing for the marketplace? Yeah. So I have started a book series called The Greatest Lessons I Learned From or The Greatest Lessons. And the beginning of this was when my dad passed last year mm -hmm. and I wanted to do something to honor my dad. I wasn't ready to write right away. I needed to, you know, grieve and go through stuff and process and figure out what it all meant. And then about six months later, I decided I was ready, but I decided if I have something that I want to share about my dad, maybe other people do too. And so I just reached out to my group, Authorpreneur Live and said, who wants to participate in this with me? Small chip in, this is your, these are your guidelines. And I had 28 people jump on and say, yes, blows my mind. I mean, the group at the time had 130 people and I got 28 yeses. That's pretty mind blowing. Yes, it is. And so that was a successful book. And then I figured, well, if I'm gonna do a book about dad, I'm gonna do a book about mom. Thankfully she's still here to enjoy it. 
So a lot of people jumped on that one too. Not all the same people. Some were different, uh, but I think I had probably 31-ish people jump on that one. And that came out in May. And then I decided to do uh, the greatest lessons I learned from being an entrepreneur. And I had so much interest that I decided to divide that into three books. I had about 80 some people pay to jump into that. And so book one came out last month, book two is coming out next month and book three is going to come out before the end of the year. And then I've got a whole slew of ideas for books after that. So the cool thing about being in a collaborative book series is you don't have to write the whole book yourself. If you want to contribute one small chapter, you know, three, four, five pages, whatever, 750-ish words describing your great lesson, you're getting published. And I've had a number of people tell me that this was their first published experience. Right. And they want to be in the next one. And a few of them have asked about working with me privately. And that's that's the end game, if I can be very, very vulnerable about that, is I want people to be able to work with me privately one-on-one, whether it's coaching them through writing their very first book or actually doing it for them if they just aren't sure where to start. And so I do that. And giving people the opportunity to, you know, spend, gosh, 10%, no, 5% of what it costs to work with you privately to write their own book, a much bigger (laughs) in-depth experience. Mm -hmm. And to become published and to build that confidence. To me, it's like taking elementary school children through middle school, through high school, and here's the purpose behind it. And I know that they become clearer and clearer and clearer so that when they're ready to really write their book, mm-hmm. they're not taking the foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. Because look, just because somebody hires you to write their book, I know you've had experiences where they literally stop helping you write their book. Mm-hmm. A lot of that comes from writer's block. Where mm-hmm. does writer's block come from? Imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff in your head. And to see this movement that you've created grow. And if people haven't read the books, my goodness, go to Amazon. It's the best 10 to $15 you're going to spend on a book because you're reading 20 to 30 other people giving you their insight very, very quickly. It mm-hmm. reminds me growing up, I read Reader's Digest, mm-hmm. not, not faithfully, but I read it. Yeah, I read the Dear Abbeys. I read these short excerpts of an opinion on something. It was like, I'm growing. I That was cool. And when I pick up your books and I read them and I see all these people talking, it's like, there's an opinion, there's an opinion, there's an opinion. And it's around very relevant subjects. So mm-hmm. I think not only is it brilliant um, for what you're doing for you, because you were vulnerable enough to share that it's a strategy, mm-hmm. but it's truly adding value to the marketplace in a tangible way. And listen, friends, if you have never held a copy of your own published book, it is a landmark thing Mm -hmm. to have done. Brian, do you know the statistic of how many people actually publish books in the world? The percentage of the population? It's probably less than 1%. I've heard it is less than 1% of the population. So it is a massive thing. Mm -hmm. For you to be able to put yourself out there like that. Now, on top of that, if only one percenter is doing it and you're an entrepreneur and you don't want to give a business card to somebody that they're going to throw in a drawer or in the trash. When you talk about go giving, when you talk about handing them a book, whether they read that book or not, 
you're a published author writing on a subject. What do you think the perceived value is? Of oh, some exponential. It changed my career, man. Yeah. And changed things for me. Yeah. Fortunately, Brian also has the ability to help you become a number one best-selling author. So if, if any of you all are actually interested in finding that out, Brian, where do they find you? Well, they can find me on social media. They can go onto my my site, writeabookforyou.com. That's spelled all the way out, writeabookforyou.com. And you can see what I do to help people. There's testimonials. There's a, a clip of my appearance on The List, which is a nationally uh, syndicated TV show. And I talk about three things you need to do before you start writing your book. And there's a link to my calendar there. And do you also have a, you were mentioning earlier, a Facebook group? Yes, Authorpreneur Live. And that is on, that is a, a free Facebook group where people can come and learn tips and tricks and talk to other people mm -hmm. that are aspiring to write their own books. Yeah. Yeah. There are authors and aspiring authors. And so it's, it's a conversation about writing. Well, brother, I appreciate you being on our show. I really do. This is besides me talking in the very first show, just to give people an idea of who I am and what I'm about. I'm honored to bring you on here because I know you've been putting the value out into the world and I knew and I have known and I respect you so much for the fact you. you did it even when there was nothing more than hope behind it. And now you have a thriving company. You have amazing goals. You've developed some amazing friendships. And I just wanted to be able to take the time to let people know that there are people like you out here that are iconic. I truly believe that you are iconic because Brian, you're not quitting on you to become the best version of who you are. And I'm just really grateful that you're my friend, brother. And I'm grateful for you also. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, you're very, very welcome. I'll see you in the trenches, everybody. Take care. Hey friend, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to catch future casts. If you really enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it so others can benefit from it as well. I'll see you in the trenches.